the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. Hi, this is Denny O'Neill. My name is Neil Adams. And this is Paul Dini. Hi, my name is Dan DeDeal. This is Kevin Conroy. Hey, this is Francis Manipal. Hi, this is Jim Lee, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number 239. I am your host, Dustin, and today I have with me... This is Ed. And this is Grand Admiral Thrawn. Oh, wow. And we are bringing the latest comic news and comic book reviews from the weeks of December 31st through January 13th. We have a supersized section of Greater Gotham, because my voice is back to normal, so we can actually dive into Greater Gotham, unlike the previous episodes. So, as far as comic news, there's only one thing to mention. Well, there's actually two things. The first thing is, so there was one new Last Week in the Batcave. I strongly suggest you check that out. There's a bunch of new art that some of the creators posted up. There's only one in the past two weeks, specifically because the holidays mean that creators aren't posting on social media as often as they normally are. So, check out Last Week in the Batcave. It normally posts on Wednesday mornings. The other thing, it's not really a news article that we have on the site, but I just wanted to bring it up as a quick mention because there's not a whole lot of news. DC sent out a press release on January 12th stating that John Ridley, who is currently writing a series over at Vertigo, he's going to be diving into a series called The Other Stories of the DC Universe or something similar to that, and he's going to be focusing on characters that could have potentially been marginalized or forgotten about in the pages of the DC Universe. The reason this is slightly interesting is because one of the characters that he is said to focus on is Renee Montoya, who we have seen pop up in the pages of Detective Comics, but not in any large role in any way, shape, or form. So uh, that could be interesting to see how he actually does it. But basically, some of the other characters, if you're interested, that he said that he's going to focus on include Jon Stewart, Extrano, Vixen, Supergirl, Katana, Renee Montoya, as I mentioned. Those are the ones that are in the list. But they did say that this is not going to be releasing until probably winter of 2018. So I'm guessing that is meaning winter next year but I, I don't know for sure. It just says additional details will come over the coming months, but if you have noticed, solicitations are already out for March, and April solicitations, April is no longer winter, so I'm guessing winter 2018 is next, you know, like practically a year from now. I'm guessing that's what they're, that we're referring to. Well, because if not, it'd be it'd been in the solicit by now, wouldn't it, if it was coming out in the next couple months? Yeah, exactly. If it was coming in winter, yeah, so... It'll be interesting to see how this, you know, what ends up happening. Obviously, we'll keep track of the stuff having to do with TBU characters, and we'll make sure to bring those up. You know, there's no knowledge of how long it's going to last, how many issues. They just, it was basically announced because John Ridley is at one of the panels at the DC and DC event that they're currently doing, or they, they were doing over the weekend. Um, this past weekend, as you're listening to this, that's when they had an event, and they had a bunch of different panels. One of the panels was the Many Shades of Heroism, DC Heroes Through the African American Lens, and he was on that panel and was going to discuss and talk about it, not at great length, but he was already planning on being on the panel for you know his other books that he's been a part of. So we'll know more, obviously, eventually when they solicit it and they actually have more information than just, hey, this is happening we will be sure to tell you about it. So that is actually all the news we've got. So we're not going to waste any time here. and just Heavy news cycle. Yeah. Just jump straight into comic book reviews. The first book we have is Batman. Batman number 38, The Origin of Bruce Wayne, which when I read that, I rolled my eyes and I thought, oh, I'm going to have to read this again. But it's not what you think. Script, Tom King. Pencils and inks, Travis Moore. Colors, Jula Brusco. Now, the only thing I will say that I'm slightly confused on is how many pairs of parents were actually killed. But besides that, I'll give you basically the, the breakdown of everything. So... 
There's this young man who, for whatever reason, likes to be called Master Bruce by his butler. And we see that this fake Master Bruce and his butler actually walk in on his parents' bodies after they have been killed. We see a scene between this young man and the grown-up Bruce Wayne, and the young man is just trying to figure out how to navigate life past his parents' death, because, of course, Bruce Wayne knows it better. Now, this murder is slightly connected to Zaz. It seems like with all the stab wounds and things that Zaz may have been the one to do it. So Batman, of course, goes and visits Victor Zaz, and... At that point, Zaz is giving himself a paper cut, which I guess is something that he can do. And he was in jail at the time of the murder, so it doesn't seem likely. But, of course, footage can be doctored. The letter that Zaz was using to cut himself has a uplifting message, I guess, from someone trying to get Zaz to be on the side of Jesus Christ. However, it's uh, pretty false, and the quotation from the Bible passage was false, as well as the actual biblical book that they were citing. And it happened to be an anadrome, like a palindrome, and it leads Bruce to another murder scene, and it happens to be Zaz's parents. (sighs) So, now, you know, Zaz seems to be Still implicated, but then at one point at night, Batman is asleep and he's thinking about how the parents, I believe, of the first killing were laying and it was almost like a clock, 11-11, the double situation, and this leads him to believe maybe it's Two-Face, but that doesn't seem likely. He ends up going to an apartment that is actually 2202, and it happens to be the apartment of the butler of the young man. So all of this is implicating this guy. He jumps out of a window, and Batman catches him and brings him to a lion's den. <laughs> I guess, you know, that's just the best place to do it. And at first he says that, of course... He's the one who did it because he was the next in line for the inheritance, not necessarily the kid. Probably the kid had a trust built up until the time when he turned 18 or so. And so he wanted all that money. So Batman kind of goes along with this. And then at dinner, they're having a conversation. He and Alfred and Selena's there, of course. And Alfred is saying that people like that, that Mr. Taylor, give butlers like him a bad name. And... At one point, something Selena says sparks in Bruce's mind, and he realizes that this whole thing, blaming it on Zaz, blaming it on Two-Face, is very childish. And he realizes that actually it was most likely the fake Master Bruce. And so he interrogates the butler again with some more lions, and we come up with that. And Batman goes to the fake Master Bruce's parents gravesite and he's scratching out their names writing thomas wayne and martha wayne on his face he has scrawled with a knife thomas and martha you don't get much much more messed up than this people Um, and he basically i guess really he just wants to be like bruce and Batman, he's saying Batman doesn't understand, which is ironic since, of course, that's Bruce Wayne. But he has him committed in the end, and he basically tells him, which seems to stick with him given the facial expression at the very end, that you're a a sick kid with dead parents. Or, sorry, no, that's what Bruce said, but it sort of sticks with Bruce since he's the one who said that. And that's the end, so it's a nice little psychological side issue. (laughs) Whew, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I was not expecting this to pop up as Right after the double date? Yeah, that's one thing is right after the double date and you know, in the seventeen issues of the engagement that we're about to encounter. So this is I mean, certainly a mystery tale, psychological thriller. Do you think that it really harkens back to you know, storylines that we have seen with Bruce. It's it's one issue, so it's pretty quick. Do you think it could have been served as a longer longer story? So I guess what I'm asking is overall, what did you think of this particular story and how it was portrayed? So as far as length goes, I think that this actually worked out well. I mean, I know the reasoning behind this single one issue was to give Joel Jones a little bit more time with the Wonder Woman stuff that we're going to be getting in the next story arc from Tom King. So that's why this randomly pops up. And honestly, 
the only issue that I probably have is just the odd placement of it, because it's in the midst of all of these other issues that are more about the relationship of him and Selena more than anything else. Not that it's bad. I mean, I think it as a one-and-done story, it's fine. Tom King, has said, he said on Twitter after the issue came out that there's implications from this issue that will lead to future stories. So I'm guessing this person who calls himself Master mm. Bruce is, is going to pop back up at some point. Uh, that's my only guess, because I don't know what other implications th- this issue implies. So it'll be interesting to see what this character does, or if anything, it just has to do with something to do with maybe the psychological effect on Bruce, because he's realizing that he could have turned out extremely more different, or, you know, he could have he ter- could have turned out like this kid, not exactly, but could have turned out m- more messed up after... The parents were gone, but, I mean, the kid was obviously more messed up because he had his parents killed. Either way, I think that as a one-and-done issue, I think it works perfectly. It's just the only issue I have is, like I said, the timing of it just seems like a very strange placement. I mean, I understand the behind-the-scenes not related to the continuity of as, as to why it happened, but as far as incontinuity, it's you go from, like, this lighthearted double date with Superman and, and Lois Lane to... <laughs> this completely twisted psychological horror sure. story. Yeah, I, I did like the fact that Selena was still in the story, even though she didn't have an actor role. I think this is kind of, a, you know, what does a Batman story look like with his significant other around? I don't know. Did I like the story? D- didn't it seem, I don't know if anyone's caught this, but it's. It, I know it's not Tommy Elliot because it's a can be in modern continuity, but there was a lot of kind of seemed like hush to me. Yeah. You know? Had his parents killed uh, for the money, wants to be bruised. Like, it seemed, I don't know, it seemed like hush light, kind of, to me. Um, I mean, it's not, again, I don't think it's 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 awful or anything. I just don't, when, and you may have accidentally heard me in the background when Dustin said this character might come back. I was like, oh, great. I don't know. It's. I mean, it's fine. Obviously, I think Dustin's right. They needed a one-issue stopgap, so they put this story together. It's just not particularly memorable. Yeah, I too was feeling some hush things. I mean, frankly, when you're in a meeting with Bruce Wayne and your butler comes up to you and says, Cream Master Bruce, (laughs) it's a little odd. And I thought something weird is going on. And then the whole parents thing and and trying to get to be like Bruce Wayne. uh, I I think the echoes are too, too much. But other than that, you know, have an MO that's similar to other killers, I thought was interesting and, and really putting Bruce on a, a wild goose chase to a certain extent. So I liked the mystery and the detectiving, which I thought was great. It's really quick, which I guess, you know, sometimes we complain about stories being too much, too long, and other times perhaps not long enough. So it works in the one shot, but I almost wonder what it would have been like if you had another issue to sort of suss it out. And But I guess with this kid, really... What's there? What more is there to suss out? Maybe if it was somebody else, then you would have been able to have another issue. I guess the other thing is I stared at that page, perhaps just because I'm a shipper, where Bruce is actually in bed with Selena. (laughs) And, you know, he gets up and everything. And I just wonder if, you know, from this, this this might be, you know, stretching it here. But from this, do you think we can get a sense of what that, future what their future relationship and and marriage will be like that it seems to work out okay i mean they went to bed together it's not like she was in bed alone and he was working they were actually in bed together and then he came up with an idea and went off to work so does this just from that little snippet and of course eating dinner and such does it seem like maybe they have a pretty good understanding of of how things are going to work out yeah, I mean, it, it definitely comes across as if they could exist as a legitimate couple and, or a, a married couple even further than just being a couple. But it, it doesn't feel as if they're portraying their relationship as anything, like they're, that they're having issues because of his work or because she's doing stuff, he's having issues. Like maybe eventually they'll go that route and they'll do something like that. But for right now, it just feels like it's working and if you know if it works don't mess with it that's my my thought yeah actually that, that was the one thing i did kind of like about this issue was this i guess you kind of get a feeling cuz i guess we've had all this like running around and, and double dating and, and introducing the world and stuff and but how does ordinary time work you know how does if, if batman's got a mystery to solve 
or he's got something he's working on, how does Catwoman be a part of that life affect everyday narratives or the everyday life? And I think here it's presented, it's, it's you know, like like Selena said, that scene when they're in bed, when he jumps up to, you know, go out in the middle of the night and do Batman stuff, she just sleeps right through it. She's, you know, which is something she's going to have to be able to do to live any semblance of a life with him. So I really like, like I said, that was the one high point of this issue was like, this is what a... I guess this for me felt like this is what a Batman story feels like that he's married. You know, I don't think she's going to become like a de facto sidekick. Like you're not going to have Batman and Catwoman on every single mission. You know, I mean, sure. you're not you're not going to have that. I don't think. I think that she's going to be more of his wife, and she's still her you know legitimate hero. I'm sure they're going to have times with her in costume, but I mm-hmm. think this story is kind of how a Batman and Catwoman marriage looks like. If that makes any sense. Yeah. <laughs> it makes perfect sense. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Uh, because, you know, I think about, obviously, Spider-Man and Mary Jane aren't married anymore, but that was certainly, you know, a relationship that it's not like it's always easy. I think, you know, it goes through some bumps and you've got that other person worrying about the hero going out. But I think with Catwoman, she's probably not going to be as worried about Batman because she she knows him pretty well and, and she has that sort of life as well. But I just thought... Yes, I, I think this is sort of the scene that shows that it is possible and this is how it can be done. And yeah, just like Ed, I, I don't see her as being a sidekick. I think occasionally they can go out and do things. I think they have to once the whole Holly Robinson thing starts to pick up again. But yeah, he can do his own thing. She can do her own thing, which I, who knows if that involves purloined jewels. But it, it looked lovely, and that was just one page. So that was something that I very much appreciated. I do, however, wish that they would sit closer by the table. Why do, why do they, Why does he have to use that super long table and have them at either end? Can't that's they? Just, that's just a rich person. Thing. I don't like it. I want them to sit, sit at a little L, and so like she's right next to him. That's my only sad thing. Well, those are my only two questions about this issue. All right, so... I'm going to give this issue a total of uh, three out of five. Yeah, that sounds about right. Three out of five. Three out of five. Over on the website, Matthew gave it four. So it's going to give Batman a total of three out of five Batarangs. Let's move into our next book, Detective Comics. Detective Comics number 972, written by James Tyne IV, art by... Carmen Mendecona. The issue starts off in Arkham. Clayface is pursuing Batman, taunting him that the monster is all Basil ever really was. Batman argues that the goodness of Basil is more than a shell of self-loathing. Clayface threatens to kill more of Batman's sidekicks, and Batman seizes one of Mr. Freeze's guns to immobilize Clayface. However, he realizes Basil was leaving a shell behind to keep him distracted while he headed straight for the Belfry. Outside, Mayor Atkins confronts Batman. Batman agrees that he sees his responsibility for this disaster, but that he, like Clayface, is a monster and not part of the mayor's system. In a van headed toward the city, Anarchy and the first victim plan their next move. The victim wants to watch Batman die, but Anarchy tries to stick to the plan of helping the people of Gotham revolt against the system. In the Belfry, Dr. October has prepared the Clayface Cure, which won't make him a good person, but will allow him to be a mix of good and bad, able to choose right or wrong. Red Robin is furious that the mayor and the people of Gotham won't give Basil a second chance, but spoiler advocates for the people who are being manipulated. Tim realizes from Steph's confrontation that his future self, Bat Tim, predicted that Kate would betray the family right about now. On a rooftop nearby, Kate meets with her father, who gives her the last weapon the general developed, a gun that destroys Clayface's physical material in an unstoppable reaction. Kate asks why Jacob is giving this to her, and he says that she must make the choice not to use the weapon to try to to, to turn it into a non-lethal purposes or to kill Clayface. She leaves after thanking him. In the sewers, Batwing and Azrael are ambushed by Clayface, who clearly demonstrates, demonstrates how much he's learned from the teammates. In the Belfry, Tim loses contact with Batwing and Azrael as Batwoman arrives. He accuses her of lying about her whereabouts, but Batman stops the fight just as Clayface attacks viciously. However, Cass stands in his way, telling him that if his hatred of the team is real, that he should hurt her. He can't, and he collapses into his basal form. However, his attack has damaged the Mudroom's containment system, causing thousands of gallons of excess Clayface material to pour over him. 
as Basil loses control again and bursts out of the top of the belfry. The first victim soars overhead in a helicopter, very proud of their work. All right, so that's the end of the issue. First question is, so Clayface is able to take out multiple team members. Batwing and Azrael probably aren't the best demonstrations of the team's abilities, per se. But this point where Clayface says in the beginning of the issue that he's going to take out all of Batman's sidekicks. And this is clearly, they're going the routes of like the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde version of Clayface, where Clayface can be good and he can be bad and there's no like middle ground at all. He turns into the basal form. It's almost like a different version of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, where when he turns into his basal form, he can be good, and when he's not, when when he can't control it, he turns into the you know the the Clayface aspect, and which is bad. These questions are pretty much all about Clayface because that's clearly the focus here. But the first question I have is: so he takes out the sidekicks, and it seems like he's able to overpower them. Do you really like? It was put out there in the end of the or in the last issue that the reason why Clayface is able to take out. Batman's team and Batman, or not take out Batman, but basically face off against Batman is because Clayface was trained by the team, so he knows their, you know, their, he knows their moves. He knows how to basically counteract their their attacks. The question I have is, isn't Clayface have multiple abilities that even if he had the counterattacks, would it really make a big difference? I mean, we've seen him use the Clayface to completely wrap people up to give them a different disguise or whatever. You know, clearly there's different things that Clayface can do. Is the attack thing really a, 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 a good point to be making about the fact? I mean, obviously they could be doing it just for the fact that he was with the team for so long, so he knows how to deal with the team. But I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on the idea of just turning Clayface back into this, like, physical fighting machine. Well, I think that's just the character. I mean, I think that, and sadly, maybe not sadly, depending on how you feel about Clayface, I think this arc is just going to press a reset button for Clayface, and by the end of it, he's just going to be, you know, bad Clayface again, I I would think. Um, I don't know. I I mean, I guess I never really thought of it. I don't really think it matters. I mean, I don't think the veracity or type of the attack is really important. I think that they're just trying to show you that, in fact, their training has made him a more formidable enemy. And that maybe Batman bears some culpability in the fact that Clayface went from a guy who was kind of like, you know, imitating people and turning his fists into hammers into this kind of, you know, multifaceted, multi-talented, you know, one-man wrecking crew. And I think they underestimated him as well, which is something that we saw in the sewer scene because Duke was not Duke. Luke. Luke, sorry, <laughs> Luke was saying, oh, that sounded like Aunt Peru. Luke, um, Luke was saying how something like his data collection would have been possible if Clayface had done such and such that he had been discussing. I don't remember all the technical stuff. And then, you know, then, of course, Clayface comes out of the wall and says that he had been listening. It's all about acting. So I think even though probably he was listening and pretending not to, it wasn't for a, a malevolent purpose at that time. But I think perhaps there are always these seeds, right? Because he's always been constantly fighting this darker nature. And so, yeah, I, I think that people have trained him to be a better fighter than he normally is because I think when we see him normally, his attacks are very chaotic and it's just trying to hit the other person with whatever he can but now he's more strategic about things and i think he's also smarter and wiser what exactly was the question just is he it was just do you think it's important to focus on the fighting like you're saying you're you're bringing up other points that about you know the fact that you know he's learning he's using his acting skills he's hiding and things like that which is where i was going with it Uh, yeah because the idea is that Obviously, th- what it feels like to me is like he was, it was almost like he was a method actor where he's embedded in this group to mm. learn everything he could about this group so that he can study them, learn to be like them. And then at the end, he's, you know, like you would if you were a method actor, you go on and you play the, the part of 
you know the, the the member of the team or one of the people on the team because you know everything about it. But in this regard, he has studied all of that, and now he knows how to counterattack their moves and deal with them, and you know hide in the shadows and things like that because he knows how they all work because he's been around them for such a long time. So in some ways, it's kind of an interesting you know thing because it, you know. Yes, he has, like Ed said, he has always been a character where he is very physical and he does just fight, but it does seem like he's they're, they're focusing on some of the fighting probably more than I would have wanted them to because it feels like he is, as you said, still more wise than he was before. And that just has to do with the fact that like he's learned things from being around the members of the Gotham Knights team. So the other thing I want to talk about is uh, this thing that Kate has, this weapon that can, you know, kill off Clayface. And obviously there's a little bit of a foreshadowing here because the solicitations and the upcoming covers as well as this cover actually showcase the idea that uh, Kate is going to betray the team or she's going to be on trial against the team. She betrays the team. We've we've seen that or we've heard about that with uh, the future Tim Drake who said that Kate would b- betray the entire team. The question is, does she betray the team in a way that is redeemable, or does she go the route of using this weapon to actually kill Clayface, actually eliminating Clayface from the possibility of having a future role in the series? Or any series, for that matter. Well, because he'd be dead. Yeah. For six to eight months, until someone brought him back. I assume that she's going to kill Clayface, right? Like I mean, I I would I mean if if to be honest, if she doesn't kill Clayface, the whole buildup with the gun and bringing future Tim in, and it's kind of anticlimactic if she changes her mind. You know, I assume that um, due to the kind of end of this of this issue, we get we're gonna have a big thing with Clayface, and it's gonna be a we got no way out type deal, and she's gonna feel real bad about it, but she's gonna put him down. Um, and then I I like how we're still assuming that she's the one to betray the well, team. That's what I think. We're, that's just based off what future Tim said. That's the only credible evidence, like you said. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure that you and I agreed that we think it's gonna it's a feint and that it's not going to be her. No, I don't. But is killing Clayface really betraying the team? I don't know. But it, it's also assuming that she's going to be the one to do it or even pull the trigger. She was already hesitant to take that point. package. I feel like it's more of a protectionary measure of... I'm going to uh, take this from my father so he doesn't have weaponry of that kind. I hope it doesn't happen. Is it a redeemable thing? Well, I mean, Steph kind of betrayed the team to a certain extent. There she is again. But she didn't so, kill a character. I guess. I. What if Steph does it? No, that's true. That is true. What well, if Steph it. does it? I d- if Steph did it, Cass would never speak to Steph again. That'd be I mean, rough. What if the gun is brought back and, and, and Kate's whole part of this plot is simply the delivery system for the gun from the father? Spoiler speaks up here and says, you know, hey, you know, you're taking the side of what about all the people he's hurt? She actually seems like she would be the one from a mental state most likely to put him down, wouldn't she? That would be... That would be Potentially, yeah. That would be an interesting... Like you said, her and Cass would have issues after that yeah but that'd be a really interesting way to like see where these characters could go somewhere different and i and i feel like the victim syndicate is going to have a hand in this more than they already do just because they could do something and then point the finger to somebody else but yeah i'm just i'm holding out hope that batwoman does not do this did she don't go bad but I mean, yeah, I don't. I think that this is a lot of the old good and evil depends on your point of view, which we would get from Star Wars, as our blue friend here would tell us. But I, I don't know. I just I think that would be interesting, and that would actually maybe be why Tim has a hatred for Kate in the future. If she's the one who brings the weapon back, he could view that as a betrayal. Even bringing the weapon in the Belfry, maybe maybe she's mm-hmm. not as a. God, I'm doing air quotes again. No one can see me. Maybe she's not as much as a active betrayer. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, he could just, you, sure. you know, because that mm-hmm. she brings the weapon. Yeah, and then because you brought it. It's just there as a method for somebody like Steph to use it or something like that. And I don't I don't want really necessarily that to go it to go that route either because it feels like that would be I don't know how how that relationship could be repaired at least short-termly in a way where they are, you know, they get back together after something like that happens, but 
I feel as if what's going to end up happening is the reason why Batwoman is supposedly betraying the team is going to be the interpretation of something she does from specifically Tim. Because that's where I feel like because he knows about the future Tim saying that she betrays the team, he's going to perceive something and that's how it's going to actually happen. It's not necessarily that she actually does do something. Although I do feel as if Clayface was taken off the board she kills him, it's gone. Let's keep in mind that Clayface is all over the freaking place. Like, there is so much Clayface all over the place. It's not as if he couldn't come back. If you, you know, like that, they just showed there was two different versions of Clayface. One was chasing Batman, and the other one was in the sewers with Azrael and, and Luke Fox. So it's entirely possible that, that that is a possibility where, you know, if... Clayface does die, it seems like they're at least putting it out there that there's a possibility that he wouldn't be completely dead. That being said, I feel as if Kate is going to do something that is going to be questionable, but I think ultimately what's going to happen is it's going to have Tim be really upset with Kate, that's going to fracture the team, and then Batman is going to get really mad at Tim because whatever Kate did is something that either is forgivable or proven that she didn't do it and Tim doesn't like the fact and then that actually is a fraction between Batman and Tim because that's also part of the solicitations is that those two are at odds and it could be because of that or it could be because of everything else that Tim is doing with the ambulance service and the poli- and working with the police and all this other stuff that he's initiating that Batman maybe doesn't want a part of or gets upset about later down the road but I definitely feel as if it's not going to be something too extreme where like maybe it is she she takes out Clayface but then Clayface returns and maybe that's the 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 change point as you know well she uh didn't actually kill Clayface but Tim's perception is that well she did with the intent that she was killing him it just happened that he didn't die or something like that so um the the last thing the last quick thing I want to talk about is so the next issue that the next issue is supposed to wrap up the Clayface stuff, if I remember correctly, and then we have the Clayface annual at the end of the month, which is supposed to focus on, or the annual, the Detective Comics annual at the end of the month. Hopes for the end of this storyline or the annual. Just, I, I mean, I, the, we know the annual features Clayface in some way, not precisely what, but what is your hope to see in the annual at the end of the month? My hope is that we finally get some kind of, if not complete closure, at least some of these thro- these threads with the victim syndicate. Slash, I want some resolution to some stuff, and I want this th- this story to kind of start to coalesce a bit and make some. You know what I'm saying? Like we got a lot of things going on here. We got. We got Tim from the future talking about Kate's going to betray the team. We got what's going on with Spoiler and Anarchy. We got, you know, this victim syndicate stuff. Who is the first victim? What's going on with Clay? Like, I think there's too much going too many different directions to where we're only barely touching each thing and sometimes missing some in issues. And I would really like him to start paring down these plots a little bit for us. <sighs> I'm going to come out right now and tell you that oh. I ship Cass. And Quayface. Now, I know that this is slightly inappropriate because we've been told by Tanya not to do that, and there's an age gap. Yeah, but too big of an age gap in my mind. And one is made of mud. I can hold out hope. <laughs> I can hold out hope that when Cass grows up, that Quayface will... So, and, oh my gosh, what a lovely scene that she just didn't move, and he was swinging and not hitting her, and then he collapses. I mean, it's that love that has kept him. So what I would like to see is Cass call him back from the edge again. If that doesn't happen and Clayface does in fact die, I hope that um, he dies in her arms. Okay, that definitely went a different way than I thought it was going. There we go. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's what we got here. I bet it did. <laughs> I, I try to so. shock people as much as possible. The shock podcast host, uh, Stella. You won. You win. <laughs> My thoughts for the annual, I'm really hoping that we get some resolution with the mud face thing. That's one of the things that annoys me more than anything, especially if we're taking Clayface off the board. It's the time to tell that story. I agree with Ed that there is probably just a little too many open-ended storylines and and threads going on right now. But the one that you could easily get rid of if they're taking Clayface off the board for the foreseeable future is the Mudface thing. I don't want to come back to the Mudface thing 
you know, a, a year from now. I just don't. That that feels like it needs to be just something that's done. Um, as far as the end of the Clayface story, I honestly do believe that Clayface is going to be off the team because no matter what, even if he is somehow redeemed, it's not as if he can stay on the team with everything that's been going on. The fact that the public has seen Clayface attack everybody and knows that Batman was training him, it's just not possible for him to stay on the team. So that's that can't happen. So it makes more sense to me to have either like a death where it's just in a complete death situation happen, which I would be okay with. I mean, like if he did die, I would expect that he wouldn't be fully dead. But on the other side of it, you could you could go a whole other route where Basil is actually dead, and then they decide to start focusing on some of the other Clayface characters that have not appeared in years. I mean, they could bring back the mud pack and just use the Clayface mud that is all over freaking Gotham City as a way to Everywhere. create a new mud pack or to, you know, not recreate, but, uh, well, it would be recreate. It would basically be create the mud pack from, you know, the, the 80s that we've seen. Modern continuity. And just put it in modern continuity, exactly. So that's that's what I'm hoping for at this point. All right, so I'm going to give this issue a total of three and a half out of five. Uh, three out of five? Three and a half out of five. All right, so over on the website, Ian gave it three and a half out of five, so that's going to give Detective Comics a total of three and a half out of five. Bad ranks. Let's move into Greater Gotham. Extended edition. The super-sized edition, yeah. So we got to go all the way back to December 20th, and it's going to take a little bit of time, but trust me, we're already way, way earlier in the podcast where, than we would normally be at this point. So first up, December 20th, main TVU books. We talked about Batman 37 last episode. Nightwing number 35, a new villain from Nightwing's past surfaces when the judge comes to Bloodhaven. This is you by Paul. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Abstain. Batwoman number 10, as Kate defeats Scarecrow, she finally confronts her inner demons and makes peace with them. This review by Tony, he gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Uh, thumbs up. Neutral. All right, Harley Quinn number 33, in the wake of Mason's death, Harley attempts to deal with his loss in the midst of a time of change for her and her friends. Uh, this review by David, he gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs up. Mm, abstain. Secondary TBU books, Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, number 2. Batman and Robin travel to the Turtles' New York City where Bane has seized control of the Foot Clan. This is you by Paul. He gave it 4.5 out of 5. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Abstain. I, I still can't believe that. <laughs> thumbs up. Main DC Universe books, Super Sons number 11. Bat-Tim continues on a mission to change his future, even if he has to kill to fulfill it. This is you by Jessica. She gave it two and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Neutral. Uh, neutral. Justice League number 35. Business as usual. A killer bug from outer space attacks Earth, but the hostility towards the Justice League is rising. This is you by Ian. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Yeah, thumbs up. I like the new writer. Abstain. Trinity number 16. The Cobra Cult has kidnapped Deadshot's daughter Zoe on New Year's Eve as revenge for killing their leader. The Trinity, at the behest of Batman, work with Deadshot to find Zoe. This is by Adil. He gave it one and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs down. Abstain. Abstain. Dark Knight's Metal number four. While the remaining members of the League deal with the Dark Knights, Batman and Superman learn about Barbados from Dream. This is by Corbin. He gave it five out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Abstain. Superman, number 37. Just as things are settling down following the attack from Mr. Oz, Superman is confronted by a Batman from the future. This Batman is a murderous Tim Drake, and he has returned to the present to kill Superboy to save his own timeline. This is by Bill. He gave it three and a half out of five. and give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. This future Tim Drake has got issues, man. Abstain. So just to be clear, the reason why we covered Superman was because Superman is part of the Super Sons of Tomorrow crossover, and Superman number 37 was the first of part of that. As we continue, there's going to be many parts that we're going to be covering. All right, secondary DC Universe books, Bombshells United number 8, which included digital chapters number 15 through 16, the Bombshell versions of Batwoman, Question, Talia al Ghul, Hederic, 
and Maggie Sawyer all appear in the issue. Teen Titans Go number 25, which included digital chapters 49 through 50. The Teen Titans Go versions of Robin, Batman, Jim Gordon, and Alfred all appear in the issue. Moving on to the next week, December 27th, main TBU books. We already talked about Detect Comics number 971 in the last episode. Batgirl number 18, Barbara Gordon and her friends are having a night out to enjoy Christmas when their night gets derailed by Harley Quinn trying to teach an unethical CEO a lesson. This is you by Adele. He gave it two and a half out of five, and you give this one a thumbs down. <gasps> what? Abstain? Okay. Have it ready yet? I can't believe it. Thumbs up. This was what? a hilarious issue. Hey, let me ask you a question. When did Alicia sure. find out that uh, she was Batgirl? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, really? They screwed that up? There's some ambiguity there. But she never calls her Baz. But, yeah, the selfie thing, it's confusing. I I chose to ignore that and didn't bring it up because I complained about continuity already too much. Well, I think that's what we all do. But still, thumbs up. It was hilarious. Okay. Batman Beyond number 15. After defeating the Royal... I'm going to go read it now. I skipped it. I'm going to go read it see what all the hubbub's about. (laughs) Yeah. Just be prepared. (laughs) Okay. Batman Beyond number 15, after defeating the Royal Flush Gang, Terry tries to have a quiet night with Dana when another villain from his past, Stalker, returns at the request of a mysterious figure trying to defeat Batman. This is you by Bill. He gave it two out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. (gasps) Neutral. Thumbs up. Secondary TBU books, Batman Creature of the Night number two, as a young man, Bruce Wainwright has everything he could ever hoped for, but the Batman still lurks in the dark corners of his mind. This is by Jessica. She gave it four out of five and give this one a thumbs up. Neutral. Oh dear. Abstain. Nightwing, the new order, number five. The Titans steal Jake out of the Crusader's base and take him to Metropolis to weaponize his powers and reverse Nightwing's decision from ten years ago. This is by Ian. He gave it three out of five and give this one a neutral. Abstain. Abstain. Main DC Universe books, Teen Titans number 15. As the third part of the Super Sons of Tomorrow crossover, the team contemplates joining future Tim in stopping Superboy while Damien secretly takes John away from the team to locate their fathers and find a solution to John's uncontrollable solar flare ability. This is you by Bill. He give it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Crossover is off to a good start. Thumbs up. Just League of America number 21. Ray is back in his hometown and finds a new hero is keeping the town safe. This is by Matthew. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs down. It's junk. Oh, dear. Abstain. Suicide Squad number 32. The Suicide Squad races to escape the moon and kill the Red Wave monster. This is by Paul. He gave it two out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs down. Yeah. Thumbs down. Abstain. Doomsday Clock, number two, Rorschach, Ozymandias, the Mime, and the Marionette manage to follow an electron trail left by Dr. Manhattan to the world he has escaped to, or universe, per se. This is by Jessica. She gave it five out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Perfect. Abstain. Hawkman found, number one, as the latest tie-in to the events of Dark Knight's Metal, the story of where Hawkman has been as well as what he is dealing with is told. This is by Corbin. He give it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Mm, neutral? The only Dark Knight Metal book that you should read. I give it a thumbs up. It's because it's the only one you have read. That's not true. I skimmed through the other ones, but this one I actually I was starting to skim and I was like, oh, this is actually good, and I kept reading. If I read the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one, would you read the metal ones? <laughs> huh? I'd have to read the whole... That could be a special. We, like, pick up the books that we don't like on the recommendation of others. Could you imagine? That would be interesting. Yeah. Yes. All right. Secondary DC Universe books, Gotham City Garage number 6, which included digital chapters number 11 through 12. The Gotham City Garage versions of Barbara Gordon, Harley Quinn, Selena Kyle, and Bruce Wayne all appear in the issue. The Commandi Challenge number 12, Batman Beyond makes a brief cameo in the issue. Wonder Woman number 37, Batman appears alongside the Justice League in the issue. Moving to our next week, we have January 3rd. We already talked about Batman 38 earlier. Nightwing number 36. A wounded Nightwing tears through Bloodhaven Underworld while the judge stays one step ahead of him. This is you by Paul. He gave it five out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Uh, thumbs up. <sighs> Neutral. 
Batman and the Signal, number one. The Signal officially arrives as Duke uses his metahuman powers and Batman's training to start solving a mystery affecting kids in the Narrows. This is by Adele. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Yeah, neutral. I don't know about this series. It doesn't seem to be doing Hey, luckily, it's only three issues. Neutral. It's true. Three issues, you don't have a whole lot of commitment in that regard. Yeah. Secondary TBU books, Batman White Knight number four. The battle for the hearts of Gotham escalates as Jack, Harley, and Duke are on hand on the campaign trail. Meanwhile, the GCPD appears fractured, and Batman seems increasingly irrational. So by Adil, he gave it five out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. I have no idea how this book's going to end. I love it. Thumbs up. <laughs> thumbs up. The Shadow, Batman number four, Robin continues to investigate the Secret Seven on his own, while Batman finds himself under the control of Shaiwan Khan. This is by Paul. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Abstain. Harley and Ivy meet Betty and Veronica number four. Harley and Ivy's body swap with Betty and Veronica continues to cause havoc in both Gotham and Riverdale. This is by Jerry. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Abstain. Abstain. Main DC Universe books. Superman number 38. The Super Sons decide to head to the Fortress of Solitude for more assistance. Despite another solar flare blast from Superboy while there, future Tim decides to sacrifice himself after seeing the current and future Teen Titans working together. This is by Bill. He gave it four out of five. Let me give this one a thumbs up. Neutral. Abstain. Justice League number 36 is the Justice League continues their daily job of defending Earth. Hidden forces manipulate the forces lined up against the world's finest heroes. This is by Ian. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Neutral. Uh, abstain. Secondary DC Universe books. Bombshells United number nine, which included digital chapters number 17 through 18. The bombshell versions of Batwoman, Question, Talia al Ghul, and Jason Todd all appear in the issue. Green Arrow number 36, Black Canary and Kate Spencer appear in the issue. Injustice 2 number 17, which included digital chapters 33 through 34, the Injustice versions of Batman, Harley Quinn, Alfred, Batgirl, Catwoman, Lucy Quinzel, The League of Assassins, Athanasia al Ghul, Poison Ivy, Ra's al Ghul, and Delilah Quinzel all appear in the issue. And then finally, our last week, January 10th, main TBU books, where we talked about Detective Comics, Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, number 18. The Birds of Prey head to Paris to investigate a supplier of dangerous technology to the black market. This is by Jerry. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. I didn't have time to read it. Abstain. Red Hood and the Outlaws, number 18. While Red Hood and Artemis deal with both outside and potentially internal threats, Bizarro battles his inner conscience and sanity. This is by Bill. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Harley Quinn, number 34. Harley and Ivy get bailed out of jail and hijinks ensue with a series of incidents, including one to meet Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor. The Sue by David, he gave it five out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Abstain. Secondary TBU books. Ragman, number four. Etrigan explains the origins of the rags to Ragman as they are both brought closer to the new anchor. Reviewed by Corbin, he gave it two out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Abstain. Abstain. Harley Quinn, be careful what you wish for, number one. Harley <gasps> Quinn finds a genie in a bottle and causes havoc throughout Coney Island and beyond. This was reviewed by Jerry. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Abstain. Abstain. Main DC Universe books, Titans number 19. The Titans must face judgment from the Justice League, which results in them going in a new direction. This is by Matthew. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Abstain. Neutral. Justice League of America number 22. The Queen of Fables arrives and puts the League in jeopardy. This is by Matthew. He gives it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs down. Mm. Neutral. Suicide Squad number 33. The Suicide Squad takes on a new member as they fight off an alien invasion. This is by Paul. He gives it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral. Abstain. Secondary DC Universe books, Gotham City Garage number 7, which included digital chapters 13 through 14. The Gotham City Garage versions of Barbara Gordon, Harley Quinn, Bruce Wayne, Thomas Wayne, and Martha Wayne all appear in the issue. New Superman number 19, The Batman of China, appears in the issue. And then finally, here is the massive list of all of the TBU trades and hardcovers that have come out over the past Get on four it. weeks. Batman Detective Comics, volume 4, Dace X Machina, 
trade paperback. Batman Arkham, The Joker's Daughter, trade paperback. Superman Batman, Volume 6, trade paperback. The long, long-awaited Batgirl, The Bronze Age, Omnibus, Volume 1, hardcover. <gasps> Yay! Justice League vs. Suicide Squad, trade paperback. Teen Titans, The Silver Age, Volume 1, trade paperback. The New Teen Titans, Volume 8, trade paperback. Batman in the Brave and the Bold, The Bronze Age, Volume 1, trade paperback. Robin, Volume 5, War of the Dragons, trade paperback. Injustice Ground Zero, Volume 1, trade paperback. Batman Beyond, Volume 2, Rise of the Demon, trade paperback. Batman Shadow of the Bat, Volume 3, trade paperback. Harley Quinn, Volume 4, Surprise, Surprise, trade paperback. And Injustice Gods Among Us, Year 3, The Complete Collection, trade paperback. Says everything that is released in the last four weeks... If you are interested in learning more about any of the books that we were giving ratings to, those books all have reviews that you can check out over on the website. Just be sure to check them out, give your ratings at the actual, on the, all the reviews, there's actually a spot at the bottom where you can actually rate the books yourself, and there's an overall user rating, so if you read the books or you just read the reviews, you can surely share your rating for the book as well. If you have any questions about any of the books, that you do, something you don't understand, be sure to leave your comments on the, on the reviews at the bottom. Leave your comments. The writers of the reviews, they will see those questions and they can help answer questions about some of those books if you have any. So with that, before we get into our listener Q&As, I want to take a second to talk about Patreon. A couple things. If you have the opportunity to spend just a couple of dollars per month on Patreon. You can support us at uh, any level. We could, we even have a dollar level where you can just share a dollar every single month with us. We have a variety of different reward tiers. Some of the reward tiers we're going to be changing up, and they may include t-shirts in the future, but I am still working on the logistics behind that. But if you are interested in supporting us, head over to the website. There's a link on the site right there on the sidebar for you to head over to Patreon, or you could just go to patreon.com slash thebatmanuniverse and become a supporter of TBU. Also, I just want to take a quick second to actually say thank you to a select group of our Patreon supporters. Over the course of the month of December, we had a number of supporters that supported us, including Jerry, Lisa, No Deuces, Stephanie, Ian, and Robert as well as a number of other supporters at the lower levels. So thank you all. We did have a contest, or a giveaway contest. There were actually five prize packages, and we pulled the winners. I've mailed out four of the five prize packages to our our winners. Stephanie, if you are listening, we sent a message to you about a couple weeks ago asking you to confirm your address before we ship out your prize package, but we haven't heard anything back. So if you can take a moment to confirm your address and then send us a message either through Patreon or through the site letting us know that you have verified that, we will get your price package out. All the other price packages have gone out, and we thank all of our supporters and all of those of you who have supported us in the month of November and December, specifically with the idea of winning a price package. So thank you all for supporting TBU. If you are unable to support TBU, with a monetary, uh, with, with money, basically, then uh, we are always looking for people with skills, whether they be reviewing comics, writing original articles, character spotlights, or anything else, news, uh, you know, if you're interested in becoming a news writer, anything like that, or if you have special skills with editing videos, editing audio, uh, graphic design, web design, anything like that, we are always looking for people to help TBU out in a variety of different forms. So if you have any of those skills that you'd like to share with TBU, you can email me at tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net and we will find a project. There are some new comics coming out in the in the coming months. We have Batman Sins of the Father as well as the Batman Wonder Woman Brave and the Bold series. And I'm expecting there to be some more stuff announced for April very soon here, and specifically because... A lot of the mini-series that are currently happening are going to be wrapping up in March, so expect some more stuff to be announced sooner rather than later. So if you're interested in reviewing comics, those are always good times for people to jump on board and review comics. So if you are interested in any of that, like I said, TBU at thebatmanuniverse.net. With that, we're going to jump straight into our listener Q&As. <laughs> Did you get a wrong number? 
the sound of the shriek. No, please, don't! So, if you remember correctly, last episode I asked everybody if they could leave a quick comment talking about where they listen to the podcast, specifically just because I was curious, and I was actually asked by somebody else what some of the forms of I guess, putting content out there was. Uh, There was somebody who asked me what Stitcher was, what Google Play was. So I figured, I'm just curious to see what everybody says. So some of these are going to be pretty quick. They just say where they listen to their their podcast. One thing that I, I did find interesting is that Stella happened to make a comment about her podcast being really long last episode. And I, what do you mean? I did not. You yeah, Stella, attacked Stella, you me. You clearly said that your podcasts are very long and it's a lot of work. And we all were like, but Stella, we all love your super long podcast. So what on earth? I, am I misremembering Ed? Did I fall on my head? Are we on earth two right now? What's going on here? Yeah. Dustin, you are the one who accused me of having really long podcasts. I don't think that's how it went, but anyway, so what? <laughs> <laughs> Them's the brakes. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so anyway, as it turns out, there's Which a bunch of people FYI. who are saying they really like super yeah, long podcasts. So unfortunately, uh, this podcast isn't going to become any longer than normal. We're trying to stick to no longer than that two hour mark. But I guess Stella is going to continue to spend a lot of her time producing quality long content for all of you listeners out there who really enjoy sick. those super long podcasts. So. My gosh. And I said on Twitter, you owe me an apology because my latest one comes in slightly over an hour. No, I apology. I wouldn't apologize. Your listeners and your fans <laughs> demand longer oh content, so you better get gosh. on that. I demand listeners to write in and you need to tell us now that Dustin was the one to call me out last episode. Wait, wait, so let's get to these listener comments. So the first one comes from Ian. (gasps) Ian, you're my only hope. Right on, Ed, my man! (laughs) Finally, you found a fan, Ed, for remembering that Steph's backroll run is being collected. At long last, people can buy her amazing series for a reasonable price. I think Stella's point about the victim's syndicate and long-term storytelling is well made. I personally think that if Tynion does not give us at least some answers about the first victim, especially given how psychopathic they are turning out to be, it's going to be a real weakness. I didn't mind their first appearance since I like the psychological warfare aspect of the art, but it's currently not satisfying without knowing more. As for Mudface, I hope the upcoming Detective Comics Annual is going to have some part of that backstory since it's a Clayface flashback issue. My hope too. I definitely agree. Uh, We talked about that earlier. Going back to your comment about the Steph run, and I can honestly say that now that it's being republished, the previous collected copies of Steph as Batgirl we're going for like $40 on eBay for just a single trade. It was insane. Oh, it was nuts. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, definitely, I mean, like, the, and the problem is that when it gets to be something like that where they're they're going for that high, that's just DC losing money right there because if pe- there's the demand and people are actually paying that much for it, that means they should be making sure that there's more copies or republishing it or whatever. But it doesn't – it definitely – it doesn't make any sense for a company to just be leaving money on the table and let the secondary market get that much, yeah, to basically make that much profit off of something like that. And if anyone hasn't read it, yeah. go read yeah, it. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely good really stuff. Good. Okay, our next comment comes from Corbin. I, for one, appreciate the hour, hour and a half range in running time. Over two hours gets a bit much for me. I usually listen to the podcast while pushing dents out of cars, my day job. I use iTunes and download it to the podcast app so I'm not racking up my data bill. And that makes sense. I think the vast majority of people do not listen to it live on the site. I know that there are people who do, but the vast majority are probably not. It wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to do that. The next comment is a response from Ian, but he also talks about his how he listens to his podcast, so let's go through that one. Oh yes, I forgot about this question. I listen on the Android podcast app, Podcast Addict. Every now and then when I'm doing mindless paperwork, I'll listen using the site or YouTube, but on my phone it's always the app. Usually it's a commute thing or while I'm playing video games, because I like to take notes for my lengthy comments. Smiley, winky emoticon. Yes. 
and it's interesting because I've never heard of Podcast Addict, but I'm sure there's a million apps out there that I haven't heard because I don't use more than, I think, like 20 apps on a normal basis. But All right, next comment comes from Jessica. There was one detail from Batman 37 that caught my attention and ended up not being mentioned. When Selina and Lois are sharing that flask by the end of the scene, Lois tells Selina that she is too young to get married. Seeing that Rebirth Bruce is not exactly too young to marry, would you guys say that this Rebirth Selina is younger than him? About the podcast, I listen to it on iTunes. By the way, I actually enjoy lengthy podcasts since I listen to them while working, basically making technical drawings. Listening to people take talking helps me stay focused for four to six hours of boring lines on a black background. So let's just plug Stella's podcast and say that's where you can okay. find those four to six hour podcasts. People are sick. If you're looking to kill a work week. Oh my gosh. Specifically, let's go back to that Selena question. So Lois tells Selena that she's too young to get married. So the question is, do you feel as if Selena is making that comment because she is too young or because she just feels like She's not old enough to be the type of person who's married. I think she's making it because she's Selena, and that's the type of smart ass. Yeah, that, I mean that's the best way to look at you know it. What I'm yeah. saying? Like, I mean, honestly, I mean that's just I, that's just her character. Like, she could be 37 years old in continuity, and I could totally see her saying, it. you know, what I'm saying, like, I just think that's her character. Isn't Lois the one that says it though? Lois tells Selena though. Yeah, well, I just yeah. said because it's Selena. Okay, yeah. so you're saying Lois is just a sarcastic person. I, well, I guess that is implying then that there's an age difference between those two. That Lois is older than I Selena, guess. which I guess I don't know if that I would have seen that being true, but I don't know. There is that one scene, though. They've got to be close in age, right? That's what I thought. But then there is that one scene, too, in the dressing room where Selena says, don't worry, it stretches, and Lois is like, get better. So there might be an age difference. Yeah. I don't know. But I, I, it's not like she's... Barely legal, like uh, yeah, that's definitely <laughs> like not the good case. old Barbara Gordon. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say she's late twenties. I think the legality of her being old enough, I think, is not the question. I think it's just a matter of, like Ed said, the sarcastic element. How old is anybody in continuity anymore? Like, how old is Batman now officially? Do no, we know? not exactly. I think I think we most of the time place him around like thirty-two. Yeah, thirty-two. I mean, and then Selena, we would guess would be what. 29, 28? Yeah, like I'd say like two or three years difference between the two. That's about what I figured, if any. I mean, not enough to where you're in your 30s like it matters. Yeah. Like we're talking about, if we're talking about current version, I feel like the previous Catwoman, like the original like Golden Age version of Catwoman was older than Bruce. Yes. But I think now they've trended her towards, I've always viewed them. Honestly, I've always viewed him as pretty much same age or within so much, so close in age that it was not. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know. So psychologically, so well, I guess they're both pretty mature, but I mean, she she grew up on the streets and, and you know, she had her, her lifestyle for a certain amount of time. Not really a lifestyle, but, you know, trying to save herself by getting money in different ways. Do you catch my hints here? So, you know, I... Her I, occupation. I, yes, her occupation. So I, she probably grew up really quickly. So I'm sure she's more mature than she actually is in age. Well, Don, he shared his two cents and about the Selena thing, and he had this to say. I think Selena has generally been younger than Bruce by a year or two. Not to a great degree. She's usually within his age range. But I've always presumed that year or two's difference in distinction. Okay. All right. And then uh, our last comment comes from Stephanie. She said... I listen on Podcast Republic for Bat Books for Beginners, Batman Comic Universe Podcast, and Everyone Loves a Drake. I listen on the website for other ones that seem interesting or for commentary specials. All right. So, Podcast Republic and Podcast Addict, two apps I've never heard of, but clearly people use. So, I appreciate those of you who spent the time to actually send us that information. It's also interesting just to see, you know, what, uh, you know, how people listen to the podcast and things. It's interesting because I don't think anybody said iTunes at all. They all said that they, anybody who said that they were. Jessica said iTunes. Oh, yes. I think, yes, she did. She did say that. I just remember when starting out the podcast almost 10 years ago, it was just, it's interesting because the only thing that was out there was either some of the smaller sites that would host podcasts and you could listen to it on there or iTunes. It was basically those were it. 
And over the years, more have sprouted up. Like Stitcher was a big one, like probably about six years ago. And I don't even know how big it is now. But there's all kinds of podcast networks and things like that where there's multiple uh, celebrities and stuff who all have their, their shows on specific podcast channels and networks and things like that. So it's just interesting to see. That's all. So if you have comments about this episode or you have questions that you'd like us to talk about or you have questions about the books that we talked about or basically you'd like us to talk about anything at all, be sure to leave your comment on the podcast post on the website and we'll be sure to talk about those comments on the next episode. In addition to that, I... Or... Or military strategy. Don't forget to ask us military strategy questions. Absolutely. I'll be glad to share that. Or how best to look at art from different cultures and better That's understand important. races. Okay, so um, <laughs> no, I'm not sure where Dustin we're going here. I guess we're going to a like Star a, Wars we're, person. We're, we're changing our theme of what we talk about around here, I guess. <laughs> anyway, so outside of that, be sure to check out the website for all the latest news related to movies, TV, merchandise, video games, and of course the comics. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts that we have to offer over on the site. There's new episodes of Back to Oracle, Robin Everyone Loves the Drake, Bat Fans, Bruce Wayne's World. Tons of episodes for you to check out. Also, Bat Books for Beginners, just last week while you're listening to this, released their episode, which was covering a Paul Dini story from Detective Comics called Batman Death and the City, so check that out. Coming up, we're going to be jumping into some coverage of some Outsiders stories and Checkmate, so that's that's coming up next week if you're listening or if you're checking this out uh, next Friday the next episode from Bad Books Beginners will be doing that in addition to that at the end of the month because this is a five Wednesday week month instead of an extra episode of Bad Books for Beginners we're actually going to give you a special episode of the comic cast so be sure to check out in two weeks for a special comic cast that we will be reviewing a mini series or something that has been collected, releasing collected form. Mystery! But it's still not determined, so we won't tell you what it is, so just be surprised in two weeks when you check out the Comic Cast. Outside of that, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for all these news and videos and comments and commentary from the Batman Universe. Also, be sure to leave us reviews on iTunes. Those are always greatly appreciated. And if you are so inclined, as I mentioned, support us on Patreon. That is everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Ed. And this is Grand Admiral Thrawn. You have been listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. We'll see you guys in two weeks.